0: Welcome in to a real edition of At the Buzzer, your Colorado Buffaloes news and opinion source for everything you need. I am Jack Barsh, your co-host. Over there is your better co-host Sam. I'm hyped. I'm amped, and I'm just going for it today. And I don't even know what we're talking about. So, well, we get we, it takes all kinds, and we got them all here. All we need is two Great. people. Apathy and whatever I am. Coffee. That's the rhyme. pac back, dude. Why are you not pumped up or coming back? I don't know what's going on. Okay. Well, situation evolves every day, but here's the basic situation. There's this giant company, I guess, out in California that is now – was the first to sign on, at least publicly, but they are now doing daily – antigen testing, which is a cheaper version of COVID-19 testing for every student athlete in the Pac-12. This was announced like two weeks ago, three weeks ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is old news.
0: Yeah, Big Twelve is going to do it at the end of this month. Big 10 is on that same board, but basically what that means is um, the safety threshold for all these student athletes just greatly increased, and that means that the Big 10 just rushed back and said they're going to have football, I think, as October 24th was their first week back um, after canceling it earlier this summer and fall and the Pac-12 is thinking about doing the same not quite as early but definitely in that around that same time frame Um, the main you know it's but that's fun that's exciting it's more than I thought we were gonna get
1: yes yeah so the Big Ten's returning what uh, October 24th
0: I think that's the date yeah
1: Nebraska's gonna get stomped on by Ohio State
0: Yes. Yeah, so they're so the first four weeks they have Ohio State, Michigan, or sorry, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and I think Rutgers, um, just because they need to throw them a bone there. But that's not going to be. It's going to be fun for me to watch. Not fun for
1: others. And All right, um, so 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 we're coming back. The schedule will probably hopefully Pac-12 only.
0: Well. That's up for debate too. So there's a few things in flux. Big 10 also has really stringent health things around it, which I think is good. And Pac-12 will probably adopt a lot of those Uh, rules. Like if 5% of your team is testing positive, your team can't play that week. And I guarantee a lot of teams are going to hit that threshold. Um, Some other things about contact tracing, basically they're still being really strict. Pac-12 is going to do the same. So we'll see how long each team lasts, but there are, aren't going to be any built-in bye weeks, So definitely going to be some games that are missed. The other part of it, like you said, probably going to be all conference, but maybe not. Um, right now the holdup is the Bay area and also Stanford specifically. Those public health officials in Stanford are the, la- the laggards, I guess, in trying to bring football back right now. Um, Oregon's governor gave the go ahead. Jared Polis is obviously okay with football returning. Chass, I think, just voted to maybe have some fall football in high school in Colorado. Um, Utah is totally fine with it. Arizona, I, you know, they they're open season down there anyways. And
1: yeah, Arizona's been good with it for a while. <laughs> yeah,
0: they uh, those old people need entertainment down there, dude. And. Um, Los Angeles just gave the go-ahead, so I think the last people left is San Francisco. So they might not be ramped up in time for, say, in November 7th or October 31st start time, meaning that the Pac-12, I think, is going might give other teams the ability to schedule a non-conference if that other team is willing and has the same testing standards. Okay. Long story short, we might get CU-CSU on Halloween. Okay. Well,
1: yeah. There's so much that's happening. There's so much to follow every day that (laughs) I haven't been following it every day. That's because there's so much going on in the world.
0: Sam, like you said, there's a lot of change. There's so much going on. And I just, I'm so glad I get to count on your consistency. Week in, week out, I can count on the fact that whether or not there is a lot going on and nothing going on, you're not seeing it. (laughs) (laughs) No,
1: FIFA's not going to play itself these days. <laughs> I tell
0: you that. Well, soon, probably. We'll probably get to that point soon.
1: Great. Hey, um, so I know basketball is they, – they, the NCAA got the, the okay to start up on November 25th. So they had like a vote of like a security counselor or whatever to see if they could start back up. So they're going to restart basketball practices in mid-October, and then they're going to come back with college basketball starting, like, November 25th. So that's exciting. It should line up with Thanksgiving break and that CU is having mixed online in-person classes until Thanksgiving break, and then students are going to go home for the break and then not come back, and everything's going to go fully online. So this would, like, set up the timing to where the CU basketball players would be able to practice, have games, maybe host some teams while the students aren't there from... November 20th till uh, like January 14th. So that's like a whole two months to just play basketball with no students on campus. How does that sound to you?
0: I'm interested to see how non-conference, if that is, does that, if that ends up being non-conference, that might just be conference play. But if that is non-conference, I'm interested to see how much of that is going to be big time teams playing each other because all of these by games just got evaporated, right? Pretty much every non conference got cancelled. I think every non conference did get cancelled. Um, across Big Twelve, Pac twelve, Big Ten, SEC, ACC, Big East, like I think all those none of those people have buy games. So there's a lot of spots to fill and there'd be an easy way to recoup some revenue if, if big time teams are playing each other for four weeks before conference play.
1: Well you know, like I think they're timing it to where they can have these early season tournaments. They can still go on. They're just not gonna be in the Bahamas, they're going to be in South Dakota, which is so funny that I <laughs> guess we accidentally <laughs> predicted that.
0: Uh. We're, we are um, Nosa Dumbass, as they call, call each other. <laughs> exactly. I, uh, I don't know if the tournament, well, tournaments are still going to be there, but like, you know, see who's going to play Long Beach State and Pomona Pizza or whatever, and that's not going to happen anymore. So, you know, that Kansas game, is that still going on? Is it possible that you can add like a uh, maybe a Texas in the non-conference or a Iowa or you know some other big team that has a new opening there? That'd be really fun a, if
1: if so. They have been in Iowa, they have a lot of COVID deaths.
0: I don't know if we want to play Iowa because they're also <laughs> like the best team in the
1: in the country. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, we should actually like at some point. It could be. I I probably can't do it off the top of my head, but we should be talking about the best players returning do the pac for football, for basketball, the best teams to watch, et cetera. Because, I mean, there's been so much just, it's like a balloon and there's been a lot of air bled out of it with, especially football, with like the best players all leaving school, like Penny Sewell just signed with an agent, so he's just not coming back. And it's just, like, we, we filled out our preseason All-American team for football. And we were having to dig through, like, Mm-hmm. It would be third team All-Americans that we we're putting on the first team. Just, because so many players have left.
0: There are two Wake Forest players on our list, including honorable mention. That is insanity. That should never happen.
1: No, and the guy who I think, uh, let me pull it up. I think Carlos Basham left school, and that's why he was an honorable mention. No, no, no. He's. Still I think there. he's on the
0: starting lineup, but yeah, I did not care. No, yeah,
1: he's still there. He's still there. I mean, I don't care either, but um. Yeah, we, we had to go – I think I penciled in nine starters on defense and I had to replace – or I had to replace nine people I had put on first team because they all left school. It was like everybody except Marvin will Marvin Wilson, Dylan Moses, and Derek Stingley.
0: Well, it looks like we can start spinning up the season preview content machine pretty quick, which is always super fun. It's just – God, it's just what a relief if it ends up happening have – Something in in this year, I guess, like even if it's one month of football or, you know, a week of basketball, that'd be nice.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I'm really excited. Like I, I mean, I haven't been watching any college football because I just haven't. I mean, I work on Saturdays and I just haven't really had the energy, I guess, to watch ACC football. I've never really been interested in it, but I'm really excited for CU for the Pac-12 for everything that I'm actually going to be watching. And I mean, it helps do that the SEC is going to start play this weekend.
0: Sure, but none of these non these early season matchups have really been that compelling, anyways. I mean, the the most fun I've had watching it was um, was Texas State two weeks ago, and good lord, I should know the team the name of the team they were playing. Carolina,
1: Central Arkansas.
0: Neither of those, I don't think. Mm. But anyways, it was a crazy double overtime game. It was just like, this is what college football is. A team that's terrible playing another team that's terrible, and it was a fun game anyways. It was UTSA.
1: Ah, that makes sense.
0: That was nice, but that was really it. And, and it's, I don't know. I didn't realize how much of my, fan, my college football fandom, I love the sport, I didn't realize how much the sport... Was based off of how much I loved like watching CU football. Even if they weren't playing on a bye week, just knowing that they were playing has elevates my level of caring. And knowing that's coming back, uh, he's already done that.
1: I think I'm a, I'm on the flip side of where my whole fandom of college sports is entirely through CU, and that I truly don't really care about college sports other than CU. And so it's been really like. Like I say this, like I feel like I'm not even a college football like, writer, editor this season because I'm just not paying attention because I only pay attention because of CU. Well, I, that's what
0: I, was, I guess that's what I was saying is like, I need, I need CU to be, I guess, a lens that I view everything else through. Otherwise, I'm just like, yeah, I, I kind of care. I kind of don't.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm in the complete don't care. Well,
0: yeah. And <laughs> I, I, I don't know.
1: I, yeah, basketball
0: might be a little different just because it's already such a national game. It's the only one that is actually regulated by the NCAA, which is very frustrating because it's the only league that the NCAA can just be like, yep, everyone starts on the same day and everyone has the same safety procedures to go through. How nice would that be for anything else? That'd be, that'd be pretty nice.
1: <laughs> I mean, I am, I, am, I am really excited for post-basketball, like straight up. like I know who the players are returning there's so much talent coming back this year instead of those guys leaving. I feel like it's how it's supposed to be when you have a fringe NBA player. They should always be coming back to college for their junior, senior season. Like A.O. Dunstun moves coming back to Illinois. They're just going to be... I'm excited for these teams. So that Kofi Cockburn? Teams. Yeah, Kofi Cockburn coming back. So that and CU should probably be a fringe top 25 team at some point this season depending on what happens because we do have like major question marks with Tyler Bay's replacement. Um, yeah, I, I'm i excited. Do you want to talk about uh, our recruiting news?
0: We can transition to, into actual college, Colorado basketball news. That'd be fun. I like talking about that. Um, and this is my wheelhouse, college basketball recruiting. So yes, I do. Um, there are two new commits coming in. Uh, in this pretty big 2021 class, it's going to be five scholarships. Four have already been filled. Um, started off with two giant bangs in Lawson Lovering and um, Quincy Allen. Those are Mike Green style bangs, and these two don't have the same impact on the on its face. But um, before I actually get into the players, I think it's I think it signals a shift in in what Tad is looking for in recruiting or what he's able to. To build around in recruiting, which is really exciting for me. So, um, I guess let's just get into them. So, the first player is Julian Hammond, the third, who's from Colorado. Uh, he's just your, he, he's the in state Colorado kid that Tad needs to take every year or else he's going to lose his deal with the devil or whatever. Um, so, he needs like it, it's just it was a necessity to get the best player in Colorado as it is every year, and I think Hammond is definitely one of the top two or three, and the one that fits the roster the most going forward. So um, he plays for Cherry Creek, which is obviously like the, the one of the best athletic departments in the state. Plays against the highest level of competition you can in Colorado. Um, he also starts. Not at – Well, yeah, exactly. That's the thing is Colorado basketball competition is not going to be that much which is partly why, you know, you can get some underrated guys from, from Colorado, like Wesley Gordon. You can get some overrated guys like from Colorado, like um, I guess maybe Dom Collier, though. I'm still going to def- stick up for him. Uh, Daylon Koontz maybe because, you know, Daylon Koontz is so athletic that he could just dominate anyone as in front of him. This guy doesn't really dominate like that. It's a little different. So like I said, he's starting quarterback for Cherry Creek as well. And he's going to focus on basketball in college um, and he actually have probably a little bit better football offers and basketball offers. So it'll be interesting to see why that is and how that works moving forward if, if CU has to continue to fight bigger programs off. But anyways, he has a nice 6'3 frame. He's like lead guard, a little bit under 200 pounds. Um, and I, I just think he's like super – he's just a super smooth player all, all around. And then his number one attribute is shooting. He can shoot the hell out of basketball.
1: So this is not Xavier Talton coming in?
0: Uh, no, this is not Xavier Talton. Who, yeah, that's a Sterling player who was like playing center out in 3A basketball for being 6'3". <laughs> 3A out in Sterling?
1: Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Moving on up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. So what, what, what would he contribute with, uh, say, the, the young guards that we already have, like Nick Clifford, and uh, Bar- Keyshawn Bartholomew in particular. Like, how does Hammond complement those guys?
0: Totally different game than either of those guys. Bartholomew, his weakness is probably shooting, but he's stupid quick. He can get to the rim. Pretty good lead guard in terms of, like, you know, has some dog leadership, moves the ball to the right spots. Nick Clifford is used to being the guy, super lanky athlete, can jump out of the gym um he might play more wing or be like a a point forward type guy in college
1: he can can get to a shot pretty easily off the dribble too I like that he's long
0: yeah I I I also think Neek is going to be the most aggressive to look to score out of the three that you mentioned in between Hammond and Clifford and Bartholomew um Hammond to me is is like (laughs) is like my dream guard off the bench um what I said when he committed is I think he's filling the, the role that Shane Gatling wanted to fill or that Tab Boyle wanted Shane Gatling to be. Um,
1: really?
0: at least at the beginning, where he's a just knock he's a knockdown shooter that can will get hot at some point. Um, you know, he shot over forty percent on pretty high volume in, in high school. Um, he He's steady, has a tight handle, will move the ball to the right spots, he can get inside, he's not like a crazy explosive athlete, but he just knows how to get to his spots. Um and he's going to defend hard. He's a he's a good defender. Definitely. So I you know can,
1: do you think his like uh, athleticism can translate to college basketball more so than say daily Good? I'm not it, you can't ask me those
0: things cuz I'm I I yeah. never okay.
1: Yeah, I know. I, just I never don't know hate. How you've won.
0: Yeah, I just don't hate guys that are grounded. I think he's athletic. I just don't think he jumps that high, and I I never hate that. I think that's. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like Evan Batty can't really jump that high, but I still, still considering him athletic. Okay.
1: Yeah, I just I just thought I'd ask because a lot of players, I know it's more of an NBA jump thing, but it can't. It's just faster. Those your little margin of error decreases. And it can just be – I don't know. If you have marginal athleticism, I'm not saying he does. But, um, yeah, that's why I was asking.
0: He's not hes not going to look like Eli Stalzer playing perimeter defense as a throwback oh, okay. for you. Thank you, you know, yeah. He, he definitely – he moves his feet really fast. I mean, he's a dual-threat quarterback. Like, he has athleticism. But it's just not elevation, you know. It's not like, um, I guess, Nick Clifford or um, Tyler Bay where it's up and down springs. It's, it's definitely more like he's super coordinated, knows where his body's going to go the whole time, and can move his feet. The same goes, almost exactly, actually, copy-paste, for Javon Ruffin, who is the next <laughs> the next guard that committed. So he's the fourth commit in this class. Um, he's a little bit more highly recruited than Hammond was, so CU was fending off Stanford, Cal, and Creighton for Ruffin at the end, which is a pretty good list to go against for guards, at least. Um, yeah. Creighton guards, in general, in that system, I really, really like what, they're, what they do with their guards. I think they get either complete like dogs, like Marcus Foster, or they get unbelievable defenders that are long. And they've had a few of those in, in back-to-back-to-back-to-back years. I um, Thomas, my guy. Yeah. I mean, he, he won how many games without scoring, like, 10 points? You know? Yeah. So, I, I think that's a good mold to follow. Ruffin has good... Bloodlines. He's he moved a lot as a kid because his dad Michael Ruffin, who played at Cherry Creek, um, there's a weird connection. Was a M- NBA scout or working for some different teams so he definitely moved around a lot as a kid. Um, he was also injured during last year's prep circuit, so that can always affect your recruitment. I think you would be a little bit higher rated if he could go out and play AAU ball. Um, but beyond that, he's still pretty highly recruited. He's moving to he's playing a prep school year, his senior year in in. Arizona so that's always good to see someone try to get a jump on on college life like that Keyshawn Barthelme did the same thing and I don't know he, he's um I think he's more of a traditional tad guard that you're gonna see he's super tall he's six six. he's super long he um is smart he plays some solid defense he can get to the rack easily Um, he has one of those games. I don't know how to describe it. Uh, Like John Gillen, if you remember him at CSU was really good at this Spencer Dinwiddie obviously was the master at this. I think he's good at getting the right amount of contact where he can still finish and also get a foul. You know, I think he's slow enough and big enough where he's going to get hit and people are going to get, are going to get called for that. Which I think is an underrated aspect of, of guards. Like being able to draw fouls consistently at the end of games is
1: almost the best offense. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think you you hit this pretty hard. Um, I I'm not gonna act like I've been watching either of these guys play basketball. I just know that CU has been. I think I think that this was Ruffin and Hammond were both pretty much gonna come to CU this whole time. Like for all summer, I've known that these two were gonna come. It was just a matter of when they committed.
0: Uh, yeah, they both were. They both. I mean, Ruffin has been a for a while. Hammond, you knew that Tav was going to take a, seat, a Colorado guy. So it, these aren't um, surprises like maybe Quincy Allen was, but they're still. I mean, the class is 15th, I think, on Rivals, and it's 27th on 247. It's a good class.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, you have Quincy Allen and uh, Lovering, who are like literally two of the top 10 recruits that he's ever had. Um, I, I think even. Javon Ruffin, if he has been underrated because he missed time with an injury and hasn't played AAU, you can see him be underrated for that exact reason. It's just availability. It's like uh, Dominique Clifford didn't start rising up draft boards until he went out on the AAU circuit and just started dominating kids the yep. summer before he committed to CU.
0: And it's <laughs> same, it's similar with Hammond because Hammond was doing mo- like football training for most of his career, and that was – his focus. So we don't really know what that's going to look like. You know, that he could oh, be yeah. similarly
1: underrated. Yeah, and there's a long history of two sport or three sport athletes choosing to specialize in one for the first time in their life and then really improving very quickly. Like Donovan Mitchell on the Jazz was a baseball player full time until he was 18 and went to Louisville. It's- <laughs>
0: Anyone who's watched NECU football for the last four years knows that Stephen Montez was discovered or, or Mike McIntyre watched Stephen Montez play basketball and do a 360 dunk because that was mentioned literally every single game. You need multi-sport athletes, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's latent potential. So,
0: I, yeah, I don't know. I The main thing I wanted to talk about, I think that's really cool about this class is the way it's constructed, you can basically make a starting lineup depending on what the fifth spot turns out to be. But if you look at it that way, um, the fifth one they're probably going to wait till spring to see if they can get a transfer or a late riser or something like that. Um, every all four guys, I think, are are good basketball players. Better than they are, more than they are, good prospects. And I think that's really an interesting shift for Tad. I think. For a long time, Tad made his money getting prospects that other people didn't want to try to develop and developing them, um, and I think that worked out pretty well. But I think this is an interesting shift of maybe he's comfortable enough in his in this recruiting staff's ability, or something shifted where he knows he can get guys that aren't that won't take a few years to blossom like a George King or Wesley Gordon or you know. I think he's comfortable getting guys that are already pretty well developed as basketball players and then also you know they have up, upside potential. all four guys can shoot the shit out of the ball all four guys are willing and good passers and all four try on defense and I think that's like a really good base
1: for the future of the program oh, no, no, really is. yeah no that's that's really good I didn't even think about how these all connected with each other just because I've been thinking of Quincy Allen as like a, a ready to go. Small forward who's going to play major minutes right away, whereas I think Hammond might take a little while to develop. But uh, yeah, no, I'm really excited. Of, like having all guys who are able to shoot and put the ball on the floor and create—that's so important. And then, and then you add on top Clifford and Bartholomew, who are just like ridiculously—I don't—I don't want to say ridiculous players, but like I'm—I'm—I'm I'm, I'm really high on both of those guards.
0: I mean, those are both insanely good athletes. I think they're both yeah. really explosive, but they also, that's not the, the whole, that's not their game. Like their game isn't just yeah. explosive athlete. They Bartholomew's a, a willing passer who's also a pretty good driver to the rack. And obviously Nick Clifford has a lot of, he has a really smooth shot. He has a lot of scoring potential. He's an NBA draft pick maybe if, if things go well. So like I, it, the team, something happened, something switched, I don't know, in the last two or three years where, he's he's feeling more dad Boyle feeling more comfortable going for bigger stars and i think he's starting to get those and this this year to me is the most i guess emblematic of that cuz it like it, i just can't even imagine a, a c u team where all five players can shoot and pass the ball like that's oh no i mean I, dude I the last three years that. the last three years it was mckinley bring the ball up and anyone else was a turnover and i'm trying to think of like Man, what happened if no one was a turnover waiting to happen? That'd
1: be fun. I mean, yeah, I literally haven't even thought about us being built like a modern offense. <laughs> I wouldn't – I register. don't know if i go that far.
0: I don't know if i go okay, that okay, far. Okay, okay,
1: okay. I am being dramatic. I haven't thought about us being a cutting edge. Everybody on the floor can do everything type of offense because it has not been paid.
0: I mean, the thing about – yeah, I – Yes. I don't think we're ever going to change when we have who we have as a coach. I don't think we're ever going to change what the offense is basically going to be built around. He's, if he can, he's always going to run it out of the post. And if he can, he's always going to get like one lead guard. That's just going to get run into the ground for good or bad. I think that's what he wants to do. And I think that's a winning combination.
1: I, but I also think. I'm not sure because. The running one guard into the ground has only been a thing because they've only had one guard who can do everything. But when they had Askea Booker and Spencer Dinwiddie and Nate Tomlinson the year before, they were doing all, they were all sharing responsibilities. So I don't know if he wants to do that.
0: I don't, I don't know if I would. I think that I, I think Nate played a lot of minutes. And I think when Dinwiddie took the reins, he also played a lot of minutes. I don't think he would. I, don't, I think he wants an alpha dog at point guard. What? So, Tag got two guards that he was targeting at the beginning of the recruiting class that he wants to add. They're both competent ball handlers that can shoot the hell out of the ball, added to an explosive scorer that can shoot the hell out of the ball and an explosive center that can shoot the hell out of the ball. I think it's a. I love this class so far, and if he can end up getting, a, uh, I would love a bruiser talent, like a maybe a transfer, someone that uh, I don't know what you'd call that body type, maybe a Tory Miller body type, but I Romello White body type. Yes, there. Thank you. Perfect. Romello White body type. Someone who just carves space, uses his ass to move people around. You know, um, just someone who can be big. Um, I would love us to get back into that spot. A a Patrick Young from Florida, if you know that name.
1: Oh, I love Patrick Young from Florida. That team was a one seed. Body everybody. Yes, I'm. I'm very much down for some tanky guy.
0: Right. I love something like that. I don't know if it's going to happen, but um,
1: we We don't know. I don't know what you're talking about, but we have what? Get it? We have Evan Batty already. I would just like another Bruiser. Yeah, you're right.
0: It can't just be him out there, man. I guess it can be. It often will be. But he's also what, a junior.
1: Yeah, I mean, we still have Dallas Walton.
0: Uh, he is not carving space out. I'm going to tell you that right now.
1: Well, I know he's not big. I'm just talking, referencing bigs. So anyway, get, get on with your point.
0: Who do you want to do? Hey, well, Well, we don't know what the transfer market's going to be like. But that team, I mean, this team this year should hopefully compete for a tournament berth. And then
1: they should. If they don't, that's really bad. I'm going to say that just point blank. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, shit,
0: I guess it doesn't matter if we follow Duke's example and just have 351 teams go to the NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah. I mean, oh, I'm just saying that CU was a tournament lock, probably a four seed before their collapse. They only really lose one major, major player. I think Lucas it can be replaced and then some. And Tyler Bay. I think his impact may have been overrated, and I think that his mistakes were probably we didn't notice them as much because of the highlight plays. And I think we're going to see with Tyler Bay how much CU misses him. So I'm saying that even if there's a drop-off after Bay, you go from a four seed in the tournament, as they should have been before their mental collapse, and then you take off Bay and replace him with Horn, I think that that's still like a tournament team comfortably. I still think that's like an eight seed
0: we can um i guess we can discuss that further and when we officially do a a preview podcast in november which is going to be so nice i don't know it was a fun it was a good end i guess right now to this area era of recruiting area of recruiting so we don't know you know we don't know what that last spot is going to be like but definitely good news there and i mean we have football news at all which is good news so
1: yeah yeah we'll we'll start Breaking out some football content. I'm going to start actually Woo! doing research to figure out what I'm talking about. Woo! We're here. <laughs> yeah, we're here for you. We'll maybe we'll do some interviews with players. Uh, maybe.
0: Oh, well, Lord willing, we'll try. We'll do whatever we have to do. We'll stalk Passage. So we, we don't anybody. care. We, could, we, can, we can find
1: someone. Yeah. Well, we got we'll... Jeremy Bloom on the pod.
0: <laughs> Let's just ride that until the end, baby. That's, that's cachet
1: yeah. All right, see you, Jack.
0: All right, I'm done.
1: Yeah, see ya. See ya. Boss! 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 Boss!